Great, so if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're going to start a, a, a brand new series as we, we move into the autumn. This Sunday's like, uh, ch- church years are like academic years. So we really, this is the start of our church year. Uh, and this Sunday in particular, all our, we, we're relaunching our youth and children's work the, this morning. And it's very exciting. I don't, don't know if they'll tell us a little more about it when they come back, but but we've got new formats and new things happening there that that is exciting to see. We've also, as a church, we, we begin to look towards this year and what God has for us as a church in this coming year. And as we think about that, there's the, the challenge of, of, of where we are and, and really that, that sort of twofold sense that we're called to be the people of God, and as called to be the people of God, what, what does that mean? And it really means two things. It means something in terms of our relationship to the community of God's people here, our relationship, and it means something in our terms of our relationship to the wider society. And so the teaching program until Christmas is basically going to be divided into two parts. We, we could call this gifts and callings, and, uh, and the first part is really all about gifts and ministries. It's, it's all about the work of the Spirit in our lives and how He equips us. And then the second part is all about how that is to be worked out in the real world, in our jobs, uh, as grandparents, as parents, as individuals who are part of our communities. What does that mean and what, what does God call us to? And so looking at Christianity in terms of the front line. So over the next few months, we're going to be exploring these two themes together. And, and, and that's going to be part of a, a, a much wider program of things that are going to be going on. Most notably, we've got uh, an event that's called Wildfire that's going to be on the second Saturday of every month uh, up until Christmas. And uh, that, that event is going to be led by uh, one of Scotland's top worship leaders, a guy called Alan McKinley. And Alan's a really gifted worship leader. It's going to be much more charismatic than our kind of normal format and things. Some people will like that, some people won't. But it is going to create a space for God to do something very distinctive and different. And uh, so I'd encourage you to, to sort of look forward to that and be part of that. Apart from that, we've also got uh, uh, our, our, our Sunday evenings. We're, we're relaunching our Sunday evenings. Uh, and uh, part of what we're going to do in our Sunday evenings, uh, Anthony doesn't like the title, but I called it School of the Bible. Uh, but, uh, but we're going to be studying a little more deeply what lies behind the Bible. And we're going to start with the Gospels and Acts and, and look at what lies behind and, and kind of understand a little more in depth in terms of the, the, the grounding of these books. And uh, so we're going to be offering that over the next few weeks as well, which will be different, uh, along with worship events and healing events and all sorts of things over the next few months. But I thought it would be really good to start that whole thing with the theme of 1 Corinthians 12 and looking at gifts and ministries and really revisiting what is it to be the people of God? What, what is the nature of the church? I don't know if you've ever wondered, you know, what's your purpose in life? Uh, you know, having, have you ever felt like, I, I don't really belong anywhere, and I just don't seem to fit? 
And, 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 you know, sometimes we have a desire and we wish to make a difference in the world, but we just don't know how. And, and we kind of have an element of, well, what is it that I should be doing? And the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's workmanship, and, and that means God is working on you. And uh, he's, he's shaping you and developing you. And, and Adam, as he shared about his past year, you know, God's been working in Adam's life, and, and there have been experiences there. There have been learnings there that are shaping who Adam is. And, and hopefully it's shaping Adam more towards Christ-likeness than away from Christ-likeness. I think it was C.S. Lewis who kind of said, you know, you're either going in one of two ways in your life. You're either becoming more like Christ or you're moving away from Christ. And, uh, but God is at work in your life. And he's, it says, Paul goes on and he says, he's created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, so here Paul says, you know, there is a whole bunch of service and good works that God wants you to do. And, and he kind of put it into his forward plan in terms of what those good works are. And he wants you to do those works within the church, but also out with the church. And, and so there's this dimension of God is working on you so that you can do those good works that he's prepared for you in relation to the church and in relation to the wider world. Chris, the question is, well, what are these good works? What is it that God is calling me to do? And, and in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tries to address this question as he writes this letter to the Corinthians. Corinth is a, a little town. It wasn't so little in Paul's day. There we go. Uh, near, quite near to Athens. And uh, you can see the dot just at the bottom in the center there. And, and, and he wrote this letter. And, and he was trying to help them figure out the practicality of what it means to be the church of God. And, and he says to them, look, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed about spiritual gifts. And what he was saying was, I don't want you to be ignorant about the way that God is working in you how God is shaping you and what God is doing in you. And in verse 13, he says this, for we are all baptized by one spirit so that from one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we are all given one spirit to drink. And, and here, he, he's kind of saying the spirit of God is at work in you. And I want you to understand what that nature of the work is. Sometimes people have a, a strange understanding of what the Spirit of God is and how the Spirit of God works in you. But, and and the, the, the question is, well, how does God mediate his presence to me? So, some people think uh, it, you may have grown up in a tradition which we call a sacramentalist tradition, that, that you encounter God through maybe having communion or you encounter God through baptism. And uh, so if you baptize a child, the, the child receives the Spirit. Uh, and th that's an extreme sort of sacramentalism that sometimes has existed in Christianity. Others of you 
particularly maybe some of our Africans, have grown up in a Pentecostal tradition where, where baptism in the Spirit has been seen as a distinctive experience apart. So you become a Christian, and then you have this distinctive experience of the Spirit of God. And, and so when we talk about the Spirit of God, we think about raising hands and praying in tongues. And, and when we talk about baptism in the Spirit, that's what we think of as really enthusiastic worship. But actually, neither of those reflect a New Testament perspective of what baptism in the Spirit is and the work of the Spirit. And uh, just so those that come from different traditions, uh, don't all get upset with me. Uh, these are my own views. <laughs> Let's go to the next slide. Um, these are views of some of the top, top New Testament scholars, guys like James Dunn, uh, or, uh, in fact, preachers as well like John Stott. And, and they explain that baptism in the Spirit is the principal act of Christian initiation. See, when they, in the New Testament church, when they walked up to you, they didn't say to you, when did you become a Christian? That wasn't the key question for them. The key question for them was, when were you baptized in the Spirit? That's what they would ask you, not when you became a Christian. The idea of becoming a Christian didn't exist in the way that we understand it. The question was, when did you receive baptism in the Spirit? Acts actually suggests that it's possible to believe in things and not have a personal encounter with God. Because the Spirit of God allows that personal encounter with God. Christianity is experiential. It begins with an encounter with the living God. It isn't just, oh, well, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. It's actually an experience that helps you understand that Jesus rose from the dead for me. And, and it's that difference between moving from Jesus rose from the dead to an understanding of Jesus rose from the dead for me, a personal encounter with God, that you have encountered the living God. There was a guy once preaching in uh, Preacher's Corner down in Hyde Park. And uh, he, the, the preacher stood up there and he said, Jesus is alive. And this guy who was really skeptical at the back shouted, uh, how do you know? And he said, I spoke to him this morning. Now, you see, our Christianity is not some historical event 2,000 years ago. It's a living experience of God. And how does that living experience of God happen? It happens through the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. So that we know God through His Spirit. And, and, and that's, how we, that's how we know Jesus. Jesus isn't just a historical figure who lived 2,000 years ago. He's someone who's alive and work who's alive and at work in his church today through his spirit. And so it's through his spirit that the community of God's people understand and encounter the reality of Jesus and God the Father. And so the work of the spirit is fundamental, and it is the defining characteristic of every Christian experience. It begins with baptism in the Spirit. And, and, and I half-wish, there's a lot of things I half-wish, uh, but this is one of the ones that I half-wish. I half-wish we could return to an understanding of conversion as baptism in the Spirit. 
because conversion can represent so many things. People think conversion can be signing up to a series of propositions, or conversion is joining a denomination, or, or, or conversion is trying to be better than you are presently. It's none of those things. Conversion is an encounter with the living God through his spirit. And, and that's the defining characteristic. That's what makes you a Christian. And here's the next thing it does. It not only makes you a Christian, but it makes you a member of the body of Christ. Some of you will remember when we discussed this in our church. And uh, I know some people still don't agree with me on this, but my view is biblical, so it's okay. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Baptism in the Spirit is what makes you a member of the church. And, and you see in the New Testament, it's really important when it says baptism that you ask, what kind of baptism are we talking about? Because there are at least two. There's actually three, but we won't complicate it this morning. There are two baptisms in the New Testament. There is baptism in the Spirit and baptism in the water. Okay? Now, look at our motto here. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. What do we mean by one baptism? Spirit. That's what Paul meant. We stuck it over our baptistry just to confuse the issue. But when Paul says one baptism, he means baptism in the Spirit. When Paul talks here in verse 13, for we were all baptized by one Spirit. He's talking about membership of the body of Christ. He's about to explain. He's actually about to talk of actual physical members. We are born into the church of Jesus Christ through baptism in the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean we can do away with water baptism, but the way that we show we are members of the church is through baptism. That's why it's, a, and, and it's part of the New Testament witness that you should publicly recognize yourself as part of the body of Christ. Publicly recognize it. That's why we have church membership. Because it's biblical to say I'm part of this community of faith. And the way you do that is through baptism. You profess Jesus is my Lord and I'm part of this community. But it is based on the baptism of the Spirit. So you're baptized in the Spirit and it brings you into community with the people of God. Now, some people say, well, that's just the universal church. It's not the local or particular church. But actually, in the New Testament, there is no concept of a universal church. There is no virtual community in the New Testament. <laughs> the, when you become baptized in the Spirit, you are brought into relationship with one another. You see, here, here's the thing. What brings unity to the body of Christ? Christians have said all kinds of things. They've said, well, it's theological conformity. So, you know, we'll come up with a list of 10 things we believe. And if you share my beliefs, and we all tick the 10 things, then we have unity in the church. But if somebody decides they believe only eight of these, and not all 10, I'm going to start another church. <laughs> and then the people who can sign up to those eight things can be in unity with me. And, and the church is split and split and split because it hasn't understood fundamentally the nature of the church of God. The church of God is built on an experience of the Spirit of God. And that means what brings us into membership and relates us to one another is the work of God's Spirit. 
you know, so that means that people in this church can disagree with me. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can disagree with me. But it doesn't destroy the unity of the church because the unity is based on our shared experience of the Spirit of God. You know, and, and, and uh, that, that's, that's how a church works. So membership is about a shared experience of the body, uh, the, the, this encounter with the Spirit of God. And Paul is, after laying that foundation of how we become part of the body of Christ through baptism in the Spirit, he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 12, because of that fact, every single one of us has a part to play. Every single one of us matters. You see, because when the Spirit of God brings you into the body of Christ and makes you a member of the body of Christ, whether you've recognized it or not, we're trying to help you with your theology in that, but whether you've recognized it or not, you are now a member of the body of Christ. You are called to participate in the body of Christ. Every single one of us. And, and, and the Spirit of God is working in us and saying, hey, it's important that you contribute. Paul actually goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll, we'll see this uh, in the ensuing weeks. He actually goes on to say it's a wee bit like the body. If, you know, your, your kidneys say, oh, I think we're going on industrial action this week. And, and they pack up. You know, again, people love it when I go medical. And... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, other, other organs in your body start to go, ah! <laughs> and, and it's really not healthy. And it actually might end up killing the body if they don't function. And, and here's the thing. Paul is saying, every single one of you, if you have had an encounter of the Spirit of God and are members of the body of Christ through the Spirit, have a part to play. And if you're not playing your part, then it creates strain on other parts. You know, uh, was, uh, someone said that the body of Christ is a little bit like a football match, which is pertinent for how England's doing. Uh, but it's, you know, 30,000 people looking at 11 exhausted folks on the field and thinking they can do it better. <laughs> you know, that's often how ministry functions in the church. You know, we have a few people who are doing everything and they're exhausted. And a whole bunch of people who have the Spirit of God at work in their life, but they haven't understood that they are an essential part of the body of Christ. And you know, in a big church, this is a greater danger that we have because it can look like, oh, everything's fine. They don't need me in that church. You know, but all of you, all of you, if you're part of this community, are essential to the body of Christ, are essential to its functioning. And, and so we're called to become those members. Um, and, and, um, and the work of the Spirit is as we're called to participate, the Spirit of God equips you. Can we go back to the Bart Simpson cartoon? A few weeks ago, uh, I decided to do some DIY. I know you're all really impressed. I do gardening and some DIY. However, as it's really dangerous, I thought I would invite my pal to come and do it for me, and I would help him. <laughs> Here's the screwdriver. Anyway, um, but, but 
but we, so we were going we to do some guttering. So he arrives, and the first thing we do is we say, because uh, the proper workman, we need to get the tools. We need to get the kit. And it's like, oh, okay. So we spend the first three hours, because you don't want to rush these things, um, you know, going off, visiting B&Q, loads of fun, buying stuff, then going for the cup of coffee to recover so we're ready for the job. And I, I now understand why workmen work this way. And, uh, and then we start the job. You see, we start the job, but we've just got the tools to do the job. And, and so what Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 is saying is he's saying, every single one of you is essential to the body of Christ and its functioning. But here's the good news. The Spirit of God is going to give you the tools to do the job. And spiritual gifts are about the tools. You see, God calls us into service, and then he says, here are the tools. Now, sometimes, and, and again, I think this is a, a wrong teaching that we've sometimes had, is that people say, you know, like, I, I'm going to greet people on the door, or let's, say, or let's say serve the tea. Serve teas and coffees. And they say, oh, well, that's not my gifting. And they go, oh, okay. Well, they don't have to do that. But do you know what? It needs done. And, and there are hundreds of jobs that just need done. We need people to serve. And, and you go, well, wait a minute. Uh, I'm not sure it's my gifting. But the way it goes is you see where you need to serve and where areas of service are needed. You sign up to those areas of service, and God gifts you in relation to those things. That's, that's the idea that we see happening here. And what Paul is saying is, God will give you the tools to do the job that he is calling you to. Now, it's really important that you have a sense of what God is calling you to. But it's this idea that God will equip you to do the job. That's what Ephesians 2 was saying. God will equip you. You see, here's the, the let's go to the last slide. Here's the final point that Paul is making. Why does this matter? Well, it matters because the way that people encounter Christ is through the work of God's Spirit in you. That's, that's how people encounter Christ. When, when I was a kid, we used to have a cartoon, Casper the Friendly Ghost. You know, it was kind of suggesting gross have had a bad rap and they're really nice furry creatures. Anyway, um, and, uh, kind of, and, and you kind of thought, oh, that, that shaped our theology of the spirit. That's what the spirit is. He's like Casper, this wee friendly ghost that kind of floats around. And in fact, some of our older translations used to use the language Holy Ghost. And, and some of you will know that language. And, and it was such a distorted view of the spirit of God. You see, the spirit of God is not ethereal. It's grounded. It's earthed. And how is it earth is earth in you and me? People encounter the Spirit of God through you and me. That's how they encounter the Spirit of God. That's why we lay hands on one another when we sometimes pray for people. Because it is to signify, it wasn't that the Spirit of God couldn't come on somebody without us laying our hands on. But the reason we did it was to signify the fact that the work of the Spirit of God is never disembodied. God's Spirit is mediated, and it's mediated through various things, through the church preaching, laying on of hands, 
worship and the sacraments. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about all those things. But it's principally mediated through you. Uh, I think it was Mother Teresa who said, God has no other hands than these hands. God has no other feet than these feet. God has no other tongue than this tongue. People encounter God's Spirit through you. And how do they encounter God's Spirit through you? As you serve them. You know, and, 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 and you know, serving coffee in church isn't just about serving coffee. It's about helping people encounter the Spirit of God. Serving lunch in church isn't just about serving lunch so we can have something to do after to recover from the sermon. It's, it's designed as a way that we encounter God's Spirit in one another. You know, we sometimes just think of the Spirit, oh, well, you know, preaching, that's how you encounter the Spirit, or worship leading, or, but actually it's in all the acts of service that the Spirit of God is embodied. Now, given all that I've just said, it's really important that we understand that we are called to serve one another, that all of us are serving one another, and that we're serving one another empowered and equipped by the Spirit of God so that we encounter God's Spirit. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to explore is where is it that God is calling you to serve and be part of the life of the church? And we're going to focus a lot on, on areas of service within Sunday mornings as, as a starter. But, of course, where you can serve in the life of the church is not limited to Sunday mornings. But there are a lot of areas where we need people to consider service. One of them is serving lunches. Uh, we, we need people to help us with lunches as we relaunch our lunches again. Uh, but there are other areas like children's work. They might share a little bit about that where we, we have needs in relation to children. And then there's a whole host of other things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And what we're going to try and do is make it easy to facilitate people saying, yeah, I want to serve in this. Yeah, I can help out you know, once every eight weeks, or I can help out here, or I can serve. So that people encounter the Spirit of God through my service. As God works by His Spirit in His people are called into his body. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the challenge of your word, and I just thank you for the work of your spirit in our lives. I thank you that none of us are here by accident or by mistake, and that we all matter. I thank you, Lord, that we are all children of God created in your image, that we have been redeemed by the work of your spirit. Uh, we have been redeemed by the work of your son and, and know the power and presence of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you will help us sense how you want us to serve, how we can serve one another and how we can serve our communities. Lord, so that people might know the reality of our God through the work of your Spirit through each one of us. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.